Pick one habit that you know that you can get better at and just work on that one thing. Thanks for joining us today as we take a look into the diverse journeys, struggles, and successes of business professionals as they give their perspectives on the impact of a business education, what they learned along the way, and where they will go. I'm Justin Zane, and this is Business and Rally. Welcome to the show. Hosting with me today are Chris and Nicholas, and joining us today is our special guest, Kevin Curry, a graduate from UT with degrees in MIS and BHP with a Master's of Public Policy from Harvard. After working as a consultant and social media manager, he started his own blog, Fitman Cook, focusing on making healthy and delicious budget-friendly meals. Since its launch in 2012, Fitman Cook has grown tremendously, with millions of followers on social media and has been featured in Forbes, Men's Health, Today, Good Morning America, and many others. We are so excited to have him on the show. Thanks for spending some time with us today, Kevin. What's up, y'all? How you doing? <laughs> doing well, thanks. All right, so Kevin, you're an influencer. Can you give us some of the inside scoop? What's it like? Oh, gosh, I've never been asked that question before. What's it like to be an influencer? Um, all right, so what I'll say is this, to answer that question, is that I take what I get to do pretty seriously, helping people to achieve like the wellness goals, but I don't take myself pretty seriously. So I'm always like the, the, the jokester, the prankster, you know, like behind the scenes, but I think it's an incredible opportunity to be able to have a platform and use it in the right ways to help people to be healthier and happier. And so there's a lot of responsibility with that, but it's also a lot of fun too, because you get to interact with people all around the world and it makes the world for me seem much smaller. I think for me, the, one of the things that kind of drove, drove this point home was when I was um, in the early stages of my blog and just trying to help out myself, I got an email from somebody in Sweden, I believe, and they said, hey, I just made your recipe for dinner and it was great. And the amount of joy that I had just knowing that I helped somebody else in Sweden, I've never even been to Sweden before, it just gave me a lot of comfort. And so I'd say the life of an influencer can be, be one that's really gratifying and, and it's a great opportunity. That's awesome to hear. So kind of backtracking a little bit, what was your aha moment that was the start of your idea for Fitman Cook? Um, probably two. So the aha moment for me in terms of getting healthy was when this was back in the day, I'm not even sure if y'all were even allowed on Facebook, but it was around the time when Facebook first started and you had to have a college email address to even join Facebook and there weren't restrictions and people could just post photos at their leisure and tag you in them. And somebody tagged me in a photo from this wedding and I was like, yo, I look terrible and none of my friends I got the worst friends ever because nobody told me I was looking so greasy so that was the first aha moment that I needed to do something about my health and then I think the you know the the second aha moment for me in terms of wanting to start up a blog and going to social media was I was working a whole lot in consulting I was gaining weight and I went to one of those um, social media personalities who's out there got a great physique and I, and I went to go get help from him and he was going to charge me some exorbitant amount of money that I didn't have. I was, um, I was had, you know, like not doing that great, like financially. I was thinking, Kev, you know, if he can figure this out, you went to the BHP, bro. You can go to half price books and read a book and figure out how to eat yourself to a better lifestyle. And that's what I did. It's inspiring to hear about how you saw what you were unsatisfied with and took it upon yourself to improve. Now, as you mentioned, you started off as a consultant, 
How did you pivot from your more traditional business path to Fitman Cook? Yeah, I was doing this on the side as a passion project. It was initially a passion for myself just to get down in some weight and to feel better. It was in a way for me to, um, to combat to some of the issues and challenges that I was having with my mental health and wellness. And uh, so I was doing this on the side while along keeping up my corporate job. And, and that's an important point because oftentimes when we think about doing something entrepreneurial and quitting our job, we just think it's all at once. And it wasn't like that. It was a very gradual thing. And one of the ways that I knew or the signs that I knew that it was ready, it was time for me to move on. It's whenever you start getting um, dispassionate about the work that you do and everything aggravates you. It's like, hey, Kevin, like, will you do this? Oh, why are they asking me to do this? I can't believe it. And you're like, well, this is your job. <laughs> That's for when everything aggravates you, right? And you kind of fall out of love with what you were once, you know, hired to do or what, or what like you had loved to do. And it's really easy oftentimes to look at the situation and be like, this person over here, they're just ridiculous and yada, yada, and I can't believe it. But really, it's a sign for us to look inwardly and say, no, it's not that. It's you need, you've changed. Your interests have changed. So it, it was, so that was when I was, I started to think, more strategically about moving on from a corporate job and doing this. It wasn't all at once. What I was doing with a blog, because I had no idea that you could even earn money. So when I was doing my blog, just as a passion project, I began to make a little money on the side. People would, brands would reach out to me and say, hey, we like your blog. Would you mind doing a post for us? We'll give you $500. It's like this. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's brand new. I didn't know that. Sure, I'll go and do that. And I get free product. So I began to see that like, all right, if I'm working full time and I'm only spending around 20% of my time on the blog, what if I spent 30% and 40% and 50% and look at the income that I can bring in, right? And so once I reached like a certain point, I was thinking around 60% of my time doing the blog stuff, I was thinking, well, what if Kevin, you took the leap and did 100%? Couldn't you support yourself financially? And that's how it happened. Got it. So what was it like growing the blog and establishing an audience? Like how long was it before you gained traction and realized you were really onto something? Yeah, that traction actually came right away. It wasn't, um, I'm, I'm one of the atypical stories where like, I feel like you kind of have success like right away. And I think like in the, what's been more challenging is just sustaining some of that. For me, I gained traction right away because it's hard to think back at a time because the internet is so pervasive and everything is out there, especially with things like TikTok. You can find any and everything, right? But around 2012, a lot of content, especially when it came to food and healthy content was gated. So you had to pay someone to play. And I was literally breaking that model, not knowing that by sharing out all my recipes and the calories and everything. And it was a way for me to get fit myself. So I wanted to share it liberally. Um, so that kind of like broke the model. And because of that, because of the liberal sharing, and because I was just a guy that people could like relate to, I wasn't Gordon Ramsay. I didn't have any classical training. I don't know what I'm doing. I still don't know what I'm doing in the kitchen sometimes. I'm going in there and making things work and making sure that the calories look right and feel right. And I feel great. People could resonate with that because nobody wants to have to become a professional chef just to cook up a meal. And everybody fundamentally wants to feel good after they eat. They want it to taste good too, but they want to feel good. And so I was able to achieve like this balance just in my own experiments that, that really, that people really like. And so they begin to follow me because of it. Yeah. So you sort of mentioned how you didn't have this background in cooking that like say Gordon Ramsay had. 
how do you come up with making new recipes? What's that process sort of like? Yeah, it's back solving, right? And this is not a plug for the BHP and, and what we're learning or and what y'all are learning there. But, you know, looking back, these are some of the skill sets that I learned while on campus and being involved in different student groups. So like when you have a big idea or you have a goal, but you take something maybe that you really like and you, and you deconstruct it and you back solve, right? With me, with the recipes, I would take meals that I really, really enjoyed, you know, like a burger or, you know what, my first meal that I actually did to break down was a quesadilla. And I love quesadillas and I would go to the like the little food truck here on the corner and I would get it every single, several times a week. I get the little platter, it was only $5, what you got? You got some refried beans, you got three tacos and you got a little very sad salad that sat on the side, but it was $5, right? And I was eating foods like that super high in calories. And so I said, all right, I'm going to take the quesadilla and I'm going to break it down into the core ingredients. And I'm going to find a, a calorie conscious swap for each one of these ingredients. And so I swapped those in and all of a sudden I had reduced the calories by about 30, 40%. Now, did it taste like the original food truck quesadilla? Of course not. It wasn't supposed to, but it reminded me of the essence. And it told me that I can still have food that tastes good but it also is gonna make me feel better. And because it makes me feel better, I'm willing to kind of maybe sacrifice the fact that it doesn't taste like grandma's original recipe, right? And it's something too that I can eat every single day. So I just continue to do that throughout, taking recipes that I enjoy and deconstructing them. Yeah, definitely. While I was preparing for our conversation, I was also Instagram stalking your account so I could see that everything kind of had that health mindset to it. But I also noticed that all of your posts have both English and a Spanish translation. So yeah. could you tell us how that came about? Yeah, you know, um, it's a personal, not a passion, but it's a personal concern of mine to really help the communities that need it most. And when you look at the rates of diabetes and heart disease, they are high in black and brown communities. And so I really wanted to make sure that my content was reaching people. And I remember just one day I was cooking and I posted my meal outside and I just said, it would be really great if I could have somebody here to share this meal with me. And it was just a bait post, but I said that part in Spanish. And when I said it in Spanish, like literally the comments lit up with all these Spanish speakers, like, oh my God, you speak Spanish. And so that let me know, oh, I got people that actually speak Spanish that actually follow me too. And so from that point on, I began to translate everything and it's been really helpful, not only for a growth opportunity, but also to reach communities. In fact, it was, I was chuckling today. I got an email from someone who said, Hey man, I love your book. And my mom loves it. The only thing is, can you get it translated into Spanish for us? And so it's stories like that, that, that really just, you know, like continue to motivate me to share it in other languages, because even though mama you know, mama may not be able to understand me. She does understand food. She understands wanting to feel good. She understands, you know, wanting to be healthy and she understands flavor. So food brings us all together and, and, and transcends barriers and, and, um, and things like that. So it's, it's always going to be a personal goal for me to have my content go as far and wide as possible. And language is one way to do that. Yeah. Thanks for that. That's very powerful. Also in your Instagram bio, you mentioned food, fitness, kicks, faith, and mental. How do you incorporate all of these into your life and into what you do? Yeah, you know, I've always been a sneakerhead. I just haven't been able to really invest in that until like my adulthood. 
so there's that you know everyone has like their thing and their hobby and so I I, I love to whenever I travel usually um, I take people along with me but I'll also like find like the biggest sneaker store in the city and and share that kind of stuff uh, it, it's it's a small things like that first off that are like relatable that you know that beyond food because I even though food is the heritage, remember my overall mission is to help people to live healthier and happier. And that's, you know, like you gotta find your happy, find, you know, like find that thing that actually gives you, gives you joy. And from a mental wellness and mental um, health standpoint, that's, that's like at the crux of my, you know, of my journey. My journey began because I wasn't feeling well, not only in how I looked, but also how I felt about myself. I didn't like the image that was reflected back, but I also was largely depressed. And so if I can use my platform to help to destigmatize mental wellness and mental health, that's what I'm going to go ahead and do because I think there's not a person on the planet that has always felt at their best every single day of their life. Everybody knows what that feels like to not feel good. It's just that the way that we have talked about mental health and wellness, it's, it's been stigmatized so people don't like to share it. So I share my own stories. I share my own struggles. I think I'm going to be sharing something this week um, about something that I've been learning um, more about, but the way, but the language of mental health and language of even suicide, I, I, something that I've been talking to people like behind the scenes and it's a slow transition, but they've been making a push to get people to stop saying committed suicide and to died by suicide. They are two different things. No one says that they committed a heart attack. They died of a heart attack. And, and so it's these small like, nuances that, you know, that may not seem that they're important, but they, can, but they completely are because it's a difference between somebody getting the help that they need and somebody not. Yeah, definitely. It's so great to hear that you're using your platform to spread this positivity. So what would you say to someone who might be struggling with depression or mental health or body image right now? Yeah, I'd say first off, you're not alone. So I don't want you to think that your that your experience is singular. That's not to minimize your feelings, but I but I do want you to know there are people out there that that you know that understand that, and it just takes sharing that oftentimes with people having the courage to share that, and you'll find that oh my god, I feel the exact same way, or I feel the exact same way. Um, you know, the second thing that you know that I would say is to you need to reach out to someone that you actually trust. Often, and I, and, and I want to put an asterisk by this because oftentimes we think that we should just tell our best friend or tell our parents. That's why I say tell someone that you can actually trust because first off, when it comes to friendship, we sometimes can make the mistake to try to make people fit into a certain mold and to make them be this in our lives. Sometimes friends are, sometimes one friend can be like a cheerleader, another friend can be a big support, another friend could be your party friend, but we want our friends sometimes to meet all of those things, and sometimes they're not. So you got to find that one person in your life where you feel comfortable with sharing. And I say too with parents, sometimes, you know, parents, you know, they, I come from a faith-based household, and so I grew up with the, well, you got to pray it away. I'm like, well, mama, I done prayed so <laughs> much. I still feel bad. And, you know, sometimes, you know, it's just like moms and parents can be, they, they mean well, but they can be insensitive. And sometimes that can actually exacerbate those feelings of depression because you feel that you're not strong enough to get over it, even though they're telling you that you can. So find someone in your life that you can trust. One spot in particular, or one place now, I know that the Dean of Students offers counseling and whatnot, but if you don't feel comfortable there, 
Talkspace. Talkspace.com is a wonderful place for you to go and to find a counselor. There are discounts for students. And the cool thing about them is that you can bounce from counselor to counselor until you finally find someone that you are jiving with and that you really like, and you can go with that person. So, but talking through your issues and talking that out is completely therapeutic. You don't have to announce that to the whole world. Don't go out and start a blog tomorrow and be like, I want everyone to know that I'm depressed and I've been feeling this. If that's what you want to do, <laughs> that's your own prerogative. But you don't have to do that. Sometimes you can just keep stuff to yourself and get the help that you need. But start it, it starts with telling someone. And I'm telling you, whenever you finally say that out loud, it's going to be like just a completely cathartic feeling of just like water just running over you because you have finally released it. Once you have said it, you let it go. One practice for me that I do whenever I'm not having, whenever I'm not feeling at my best, I will call that one or two, um, you know, th those one or two persons in my life and just say this, hey, just wanted you to know for the past two weeks, I've been struggling a lot with my mental health. I'm not feeling at my best right now. I don't want to talk about it, but I needed to say this out loud because I want, because I need to know, and I need someone to know that this is real. And I'm telling myself that it's real because oftentimes we'll try to ladder ourselves and try to psych ourselves out. And we think that there's, there's benefit in doing that, that you are, that you're tougher. No, you're actually just silly. But as soon as I say it out loud and I say, I'm not feeling good, I feel better. I feel better because now I'm not lying to my mind to say what I'm feeling is something else. Wow, that's some great advice. Thank you for that. I probably will incorporate some of that into my own life when I'm feeling <laughs> down. That was awesome. You've done so many projects. You started your own blog. You're all over social media. You have your own cookbook. You have a Fitman Cook app. And now you're working on your own line of spices and teas. All of these are really big tasks. So what challenges have you faced? How did you overcome them? And how do you manage it all, really? Yeah, I think one of the main challenges that I had is moving from being a brand supporter to becoming a brand myself. And it sounds ridiculous, or maybe it sounds like it's kind of easy, but you know, maybe not really, just because it took for, for one, me like believing in myself as a brand and looking at myself as that. So it's like, I got to back away from certain things, from certain deals that, that are bringing in revenue so that I can create and carve out a path for myself. At the same time, looking at myself as a brand, it's the challenge of, do I create my stuff from scratch, things that I really believe in, or do I partner with companies that I know are doing stuff really, really well, and they like the momentum and the integrity and the goodwill of my brand? Is there, a, is there a possibility that we can collaborate and work together? And it's things like that that are, in hindsight, they're easy decisions, but not so much. Because you got to figure out like what that end goal is, is the end goal to, for instance, do you want to become your own big brand to sell off one day? Or, or do you want to kind of continue in, in this space and become almost like a, not an umbrella, but, almost, but like a, you know, but a hub for wonderful, you know, brands um, that you are co-building with other people. So it's about defining what's the right opportunity for me and in, in, in my brand in each in each vertical. And when I say vertical, I mean, like for instance, you know, like you just said spices for in this vertical and teas and beverages and so on and so forth. So that's one of the main things. The other main thing, of course, is just funding. 
how to go and do that? Do I get funding like right away or do I kind of gradually grow into that? And I've picked much more of a gradual growth um, growth strategy because I want to see what's working and what's not working because like y'all, I'm no... I know that y'all are much younger than me, but I feel like our generations are kind of similar. You know, we like to bounce around. We don't like to stay with stuff too long. <laughs> if it's not if it's not making us money and not bringing us joy, we got to bounce. <laughs> yeah, I can totally understand that feeling. Can definitely <laughs> relate on that. So, do you have any idea of what is the plan for you uh, currently at this moment? Staying with it, selling, fundraising. What's the plan? Yeah. So with the spices and teas, we are, um, well, well, you know what, for the teas, I'll, I'll say we're, we are building that out. Um, I'm really excited about our, our path forward right now. The, the spices as well, we're going to continue to build that out. But where we're going right now, I'm pretty excited about because it's something that I've wanted to do for quite some time going into meal delivery and meal prep. Um, and having a national solution for that. It's something that I've just wanted to do for quite some time to get into people's kitchens and to teach them like a brand new way to look at it. So I think for so long, what we've looked at meal prep and delivery as just a one-stop solution, but I want to look at it, challenge people to look at it as a supplement to cooking at home as well, that there's a place for all those things to coexist, that you, that you can do both things. I mean, the brand is Fit Cook. So at the end of the day, I need to go ahead and like live up to that. And I think there's a lot of benefit too, not from budgetary standpoint, not only from budgetary standpoint, but also just from a mental health standpoint, whenever you're able to cook up a meal for yourself and for your family, you feel good. And then also, you know what you're putting into your body. So looking at the meal prep solution as, okay, I can do meal prep delivery and also cook. So showing people how that hybrid solution works um, around the nation is something that really, really, you know, gets me hyped. Wow, that's awesome. Definitely looking forward to when a Fitman cook meal arrives at my door. Now, kind of spicing it up here, were there any foods that you absolutely hated that you've now come to enjoy? What was the secret to making these foods shine? Okay, so I'm gonna let you in on a big secret. I am, or maybe not a big secret. I probably have one of the worst palates or <laughs> like everyone laughs like, how do you cook, Kev? Cause you like all the, cause you hate all like the good stuff. I hate ketchup. I hate mayo. I hate Brussels sprouts. Um, I don't like carrots that much. <laughs> like I don't like, do not serve me anything with vinegar. I will throw up in your face on accident. I will regurgitate whatever you just gave me. <laughs> um, so what I'll say is this, let me answer this in, in, in two ways. So for foods that you really dislike, for one, you know, find out if it's genetic. So in my defense, Brussels sprouts, I grew up hating them. And I remember I have memories of me crying at the table. And you know what it's like to cry in front of a black mama. You're just like, you better eat that food. You're going to eat this. You're not getting it from the table unless you eat this whole food. I'm like, I hate it. I hate it, mama. Please don't make me eat it. I did a genetic test. And the genetic test said, I have a bitter taste sensitivity. So you probably hate foods like top of the list, Brussels sprouts. And I was like, oh, my God. You are feeding me stuff, mom, that my body genuinely, genetically couldn't even handle, right? So it may be worth you exploring that. But aside from that, what you can do is that you can actually teach yourself to like certain foods. You just have to eat more of it. And this is what I tell parents who are like, my kids won't eat veggies. Well, 
you just can't give them broccoli once and think they're gonna like it. You have to continually do that. And the more that you introduce foods like that, the more you can teach your body that it's actually tastes good. That's how people truly transform the diets from going from the fast food diet to a much healthier diet because they're eating a lot more of it. All of a sudden, this salad doesn't taste so, so bad. This quinoa tastes kind of great. Why? Because they've been eating it along the way. Now, how do, how do you spice up some foods and, and, and get to enjoy them? Incorporate them into foods that you already like. So let's say I love me some fried rice. I can, I can eat that. I eat that for breakfast sometimes. It's definitely my 3 a.m. food when you come out from, you know, having a nice night. But instead of using, you know, rice, you can maybe even use some quinoa, right? So if that's a food that you're not liking that much, find recipes that you already like and figure out how you can incorporate the foods that you dislike into those. That's, that's one surefire way. So you talk a lot about how eating healthy is a lifestyle rather than just a short-term body goal. What would you say to people who feel that they don't have the motivation or the time to adjust their eating habits? I'll say this, and you all know this as students, um, you never have time for anything. You know, there's, there's, it's an unending cycle of once one thing ends, you got something else into your inbox or the text from a friend, hey, let's go and do this. So what you have to do is you have to set aside that time because you will never have time to do this. And I want people to look at their health and wellness, not as like, oh, this is the cherry on top. I want you to look at it as like it's part of the batter. And that the more that you can incorporate healthier decision and healthful decisions into your daily lifestyle, the better you will perform. So how to get started. Don't overhaul everything on day one. That is one surefire way to go ahead and fail. So what I'd like to do is just let's just work on healthful habits. Pick one habit that you know that you can get better at and just work on that one thing. Once you get the confidence down from doing that, you can move on to something else. And that actually works. Think of it like playing a video game. If level one was the same as level 24, nobody would play the video game because their confidence isn't up. You're like, this is impossible to do. You're gonna be disenchanted with the fact that, you know, that you can't progress and you're gonna stop and quit. But level one is designed to teach you the fundamentals of the video game to get your confidence up so you can go to level two and level three. And once you win, you're like, oh, this is easy. Oh, this is easy, this is easy. So by the time you get to level 24, you're like, all right, this is hard, but I got it. You got your confidence up. We look at diets the reverse. We'll do level 24 first and we'll overhaul everything on day one and expect to have success. And that generally doesn't happen. So don't overhaul everything on day one. Start with one habit and work on that one thing. It could be drinking too much soda. It could be for me, I'll pick up it myself. I'm not sure what the business school looks like, but when I went there, we used to have the Burger King right there inside of the little quad and you know, inside there. And they used to have the, you know, the jalapeno poppers. And I would get that like several times a week. That's one habit that I would start with myself and say, all right, Kev, you're not going to, you're only going to get this once a week. This is your weekly treat. And instead you're going to eat over at Jester, have a meal like that. That's a healthy habit that I would work on. Maybe yours is soda. I drink five sodas a day. All right. We're going to work on for the next week, you drinking two sodas a day. Next week, drink one soda a day. All right. Three sodas each week, two sodas each week doing things like that. So that way you build up your confidence. Awesome. That's some great advice to just start small and go from there. 
So to close off, a final fun question that we always like to ask our guests is about their hot take, a potentially controversial opinion. So what would be your hot take? Oh, you know what? It's it's great timing because I think yesterday they just released the reports of the Eyes of Texas report. And I've largely stayed out of that debate because I think Thinking back on my time on campus, um, we all have really strong feelings about this song. I've got really strong feelings about, about it. But I do remember this as a student, the students helped to shape the culture and the conversation of, of campus. They all shaped the climate. And I remember feeling that like I want the administration to actually listen to me. And the things that happened, you know, like when I went on campus, it, you know, and the stuff that I wanted to do. Those were my traditions. So I have my experience and I don't want to take that away from what students are actually feeling now. And, and I think it's important that the administration listens to you all and has a thoughtful conversation and the student body can come to a conclusion about what's best for y'all because again, you all shape the campus climate and culture right now. Now, what I will say, I guess the controversial thing is that I have been a little bit disenchanted with the hesitation perhaps and the silence of the administration to not quickly, swiftly, and abruptly condemn the intimidating attacks by donors on students. I have been pretty upset about that. I, I read some of the articles and I read what was in those emails and I don't care if the person gave $10 million or $10. Students should not be intimidated by donors online weighing in and threatening them with having jobs and and doing this and that I, I just think that that we need to stay stay in our place give back to the university and the university can do their part it doesn't cost much to denounce egregious acts like that the um, at the end of the day I know that y'all are like young adults but you're also someone's child and I would not want my child being intimidated on social media and harassed by donors because of my viewpoints. Your, the viewpoints are your viewpoints. You all debate that stuff on, on campus, but the university, you know, but the university's position to not swiftly denounce such acts, that's what kind of, it kind of got my ears kind of burning hot because I don't think that's, that's right at all. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that and for spreading some of your fatherly love to us and the students at UT. <laughs> I'm old now, y'all. <laughs> Well, thanks so much for being with us today and talking a little bit about your journey and struggles and especially sharing some words of encouragement with both us and our listeners. And for those listening, if you are curious about learning more, be sure to check out Kevin's pages at Fitman Cook on social media. Thanks for tuning in to Business Unraveled, where we share not just the successes, but also the struggles of the business journey. Thank you for your support, and a special thank you to our team, Yayi Ding, Sarah Ugangavelli, Nicholas Cow, and Chris Wang for the production of this episode. To stay connected with us, follow our Instagram at This Is Unraveled and leave us any comments or suggestions. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.